Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. This is the test run before we do the first live podcast tonight, because as I mentioned, I record these podcasts at night. And so what I'm going to start doing on Tuesdays and Thursdays, if you want to tune in and watch on Facebook, just search for me, Tyler Crawley. That's C-R-A-L-L-E. And now you can spell it and pronounce it. It's an elite club. Not a lot of people can do that. They can say it, but they can't spell it or they can spell it and they can't say it. So now you can do both. You are in a very elite club. Search for me on Facebook and you can watch me do the first live podcast if you would like. Otherwise, continue listening here on whatever platform you have chosen to listen to this podcast on. That will always be available going forward. No matter how much I love the live stuff, there will always be the root of this podcast. So of course, new week, lot to get to. I know it's cliche. I hate, I say it every time and I, I saw it coming out of my mouth and I couldn't stop it. I was like, no, don't say that. It's too much. There's so much to talk about. Ugh. Cause I say it all the time and I used to say it all the time on the radio and I hate saying it because it's, it's just like a filler phrase. So I try and not say it. So that's my goal here, but let's start. We had a big story. This came out on Friday, home profits, Home profits, not surprisingly, saw their most profitable year. Wait, home profits saw their most profitable year. Home profits had their best year. (laughs) I think that's the way you say it. In 2021, that according to the latest data from Adam Data Solutions. Home sellers nationwide realized a profit of $94,092. That is up 45% from 2020 when it was $64,931 and up 71% from just two years ago when it was $55,000 even. So that's quite the jump (laughs) to go from 55,000. Now we're looking at 94,000, just a little bit above 94,000. Now the return on investment not surprisingly, skyrocketed as well. That profit represented a four, the $94,000 profit, I should say, represented a 45.3% return on investment compared to the original purchase price up from just 33.6% the year prior and 30.6% in 2019. Now, here's some numbers that are really going to blow your mind. So where did we see the biggest ROIs? Where were the biggest return on investment? Well, not really my old stomping ground. Um, Actually, I don't know if I ever even went to Salisbury, Maryland, to be honest. I think I went there maybe once or twice. Uh, But obviously, I'm from Maryland, but I don't remember really visiting Salisbury. Had the biggest ROI by far. Well, kind of by far. 262.2%. 260, I'm sorry, it's 267.2%, followed by Lafayette, Louisiana, where they saw the biggest ROI of 227.4%, and Montgomery, Alabama, up 195. That's some big returns on investment. 200%? That's not a bad investment. I mean, that's that's pretty good, I would say. So people selling their homes in Salisbury are uh, are really cashing in. Profit margins, in case you were wondering, across the board, were up 87% for typical homes across the country. Now, other notable stats from Adam Data Solutions, home ownership tenure fell 
to an average of 6.14 years in the fourth quarter. That's down from 6.34 just in Q3 and down kind of significantly eight years, a little bit over eight years in the last quarter of 2020. Not all that surprising, right? People have been in a home. All of a sudden, you can now sell it for a massive profit, 226%. (laughs) Yeah, you maybe you're going to get out of the house quicker than you were planning on. And that is leading, I think, to the shorter time frame with regards to home ownership. Uh, also, probably not a big surprise, cash sales hit 30.3% of all single family home sales, up kind of significantly from 2020 when it was 22.8% and above the 25% that we saw in 2019. So kind of a dip there in 2020. I guess people were holding on to that cash not knowing what COVID was going to do. And it was the highest level we had seen since 2015. And also not surprising, should I keep saying that? Not surprising. Uh, institutional investors jumped six po- or jumped to 6.9% of single family sales. That is up from just 2.7% in 2020 and the 3.6% that we saw in 2019, the highest level since 2013. Now, here's the thing I really, I think is interesting is that we he- we're hearing a lot of people start getting very panicky about the institutional investors, like these businesses are buying up homes and it's going to hurt all of these people. And this is horrible. This is the worst thing ever. Well, I mean, it's the highest level since 2013. So this has happened before. So it's not like we're in uncharted waters. So I think that there is sort of this idea that, I, I like to call it like the, you see it in the news all the time, like the shark attack kind of pandemic where every year we have X amount of shark attacks. But for one year, we have a slow summer, so the news picks up on shark attacks, and all of a sudden, everyone thinks we have this huge problem, when in reality, they just don't normally report it in other years. And so the institutional investors just kind of caught on, and everyone kind of jumped with it. Oh my gosh, this is so horrible. This is the worst thing ever. And it's like, yeah, well, this happened in 2013. I mean, sure, it's up. It's elevated. But it's not unprecedented. Once again, it's the highest level since... 2013, meaning it was higher in 2013. And I do not remember a lot of op-eds or anything else of people freaking out about what was happening with regards to institutional investors buying up single-family homes. So maybe it's not the end of the world that many people have predicted. And since people are making so much money selling homes, you're probably not going to be surprised that as it currently stands... The homes that are for sale are new ones. It gives an incentive for buy, or for builders to build when there's money to be made, but the data may be a little misleading. So the share of newly built single-family homes on the market is at a record high, according to the latest data from Redfin. 34.1% of U.S. single-family homes for sale in December were new construction. That is up from 25% a year earlier, and like I said, is the highest share on record. In December of 2019, new construction made up 21% of homes for sale. Now, this may seem odd, considering all the supply chain problems that we have talked about here on the podcast. However, it's important to note that the increase in new construction has just as much to do with the decrease in existing home inventory as it does with a increase in new construction. For example, the inventory of existing homes fell 14.2% year over year in December, while new inventory, new homes, 
were was up 34.8% year over year. So yeah, a big jump in new construction, no doubt about that. But also considering how many more existing homes are on the market, a 14% drop really explains why that number has jumped as high as it is. I mean, a third of the homes currently for sale. Uh, Shayara Bakari, I hope I'm saying that right, the Redfin economist noted in this press release that new homes tend to take longer to sell, which is also one of the reasons why we've seen this increase. Saying, quote, existing homes tend to be less expensive and fly off the shelves faster. So people who are just getting into the market should speak to their lender and agent about preparing to act quickly when an existing home that meets their criteria hits the market this winter. And the inventory levels, man, they continue to fall because it is Monday. We have our latest data from Altos Research. They do a great job. They have weekly data, give you an idea of what's happening with prices, what's happening with inventory, and inventory keeps falling. <laughs> it just it keeps, so much so that they had to actually change the way they plot it on their graph because they never expected inventory to fall this low. Once again, this is the latest data from Altos Research. Just 272,000 single family homes are on the market across the country. <laughs> 272,000. Available inventory declined by 1.9% for the week and has fallen so far that Altos Research had to adjust the Y-axis on the real estate inventory chart to allow for the lowest level ever. They didn't think that inventory levels would ever fall this far. And yet, here we are. Mike Simonson, the CEO of Altos, mentioned in their weekly video that because inventory hasn't slowed its weekly decline yet, that it, quote, really looks like we are aiming for April again, same thing happened last year, before we start to see a little inventory increase for the year. It's, it's well, it's, it's February. <laughs> the beginning of February. And... They're like, yeah, April, maybe we'll start to see an increase in inventory. Uh, and helping to highlight the inventory issue, the price of newly listed properties was up 1% just last from last week. I mean, if you, you know, 1% week over week, that's a 52% annualized rate. That's, that's a big jump, 1% week over week. Simonson wrote, remember that the price of the new listings reflect everything the sellers and the listing agents know about demand in their local markets. And that's always key, right? I mean, they, I come from the political world and Tip O'Neill, the former speaker of the house said all politics is local and that's 100% true with real estate. You know, we talk about these numbers all the time on sort of this sort of nationwide perspective. And sometimes we talk about what's happening in the different regions, but it really all depends on what's happening in your market. And you know that that 272,000 number for across the country, there are some places that probably have a couple listings and then there are other places that have nothing. <laughs> There's like nothing available on the market right now. I mean, it's just, it, it is nuts where inventory levels have fallen. And that's why you're hearing about bidding wars Prices are still going up, even though a lot of people say homes are overpriced. But if you got people that want to buy and there's no homes available, what happens? Supply and demand, baby. <laughs> you can't fight the markets. 
and prices are going to go up. No doubt about that. And that's what I like about Altos because in, in, um, in this video this week, Mike Simonson made this comment is that a lot of real estate data is monthly. And by the time you get it, we're sort of past that time period. I mean, you look at CoreLogic. We talk about the uh, S&P Case-Shiller Index. I mean, we're getting data now from three months ago. <laughs> and so we're, we're well out of where we were three months ago. And Altos is weekly. And it's kind of cool because gives us something to talk about here on the podcast. All right, that's it. We're going to be wrapping it up. Oh, before we go, always forget what is happening today. We got a lot going on. We got job openings. Jolts, that is out at 10 a.m. And it's expected to fall to 10.3 million job openings from 10.5 million that we saw last month. Still just crazy numbers. Anything over 10 million is just nuts. And yeah, it's going to fall a little bit. 10.3 million construction spending that is expect that's also out of 10 a.m. That, that's expected to jump 0.6% last month. It was up 0.4%. Any move in the positive we like. Okay, we need homes. We just talked about inventory levels. We need homes. So let's build those homes. Construction spending. Let's see it in the green. It's supposed to be in the green. Let's hope it's in the green. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. But as always, thanks for tuning in. I'll either talk to you tonight in the live version or I'll see you here Wednesday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. Of Markets and Mortgages. There we go. <laughs> Can't even say the name of the podcast. That's not a good ending. All right, we got to go. You guys enjoy your Tuesday. Talk to you tonight or Wednesday, whatever it may be. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. 